0: Thanks, brother. Hey. How you doing? Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, <clears throat> Glad to be with you guys tonight. My name is Ben Fuquay. Uh, I work here. And um, I, uh, I love it. I love, uh, it really is such a privilege to know this king. Man, that is an awesome, awesome song, Casey. Um, and what we get to be here celebrating and walking through is uh, a cool thing as a family. Um, where we're going tonight is going to be fun. We're starting a new series, Vital Signs, that thing. Um, we're starting a new series. Uh, this series is really to look and diagnose us as, uh, as people who would maybe either be curious about Christ, confess we're walking with Christ. I mean, maybe people in this room are just completely sold out. But what are the vital signs in our life that reveal weaknesses? Uh, what are the things that we can identify that that show these are areas that we need growth, Lord. And so that's, uh, that's what the next six weeks are going to look like. Um, I want to recommend this book to you at the beginning of the series, too. Uh, Tyler and I both have been chewing up this book as we've been preparing for this sermon series. It's called Ten Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. It's by Donald Whitney, and it is a great book. And a lot of what we're going to be doing in the next six weeks is pulled from us just digging through this together. Uh, so each week, the next six weeks, uh, we're going to ask a question. Um, we're going to ask a question that should identify... Um, how we're doing with that, the answer to that question is going to identify where we are in our faith. Um, in a bigger picture, where we're at as a ministry in kind of this infant stage um, of, of renovate is a really, really neat place and it's an exciting place, but it's also this kind of place of transition. As we're walking out of the last series, um, which was all about how to, how to love radically, how to, how to create disciples and be a disciple um, who turns the world upside down like we see in Acts. But what we really want to do is how is our health? How is our spiritual health as a body? Um, so that's where we're going. Uh, let me pray over us one more time because I need it. And then we'll jump into asking one of those big questions. Lord, we need you. Uh, Father, we do. We, we want you. We need you. Um, God, it really is a privilege to know you. To be able to know that you are our king and worship you. To have your word. Uh, we are grateful. Father, would you, um, would you speak to us tonight? Um, I confess uh, uh, I'm a man who is not only exhausted, but finds my soul dry at, at times. And, uh, and, and more often than not, it seems like recently. And so, Lord, um, anything worth doing tonight, anything worth happening in the lives of the people that you love in this room is only going to be through you and through your Holy Spirit's power. And so that's what we beg for. Uh, Would you get me out of the way, this inadequate broken vessel up here, and speak your word and speak your kindness and speak your seriousness of sin and push us towards repentance and belief in a way that stirs our thirst for you. We love you, Father. We need you. I need you. Um, Thank you, God. Thank you expectantly for what you're doing in my life and what you're doing in the brothers and the sisters of mine in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a Tahoe. It's 13 years old. It's pretty awesome. Uh, it's a high-performance vehicle. No, you can clap. It's all right. No? All right. Uh, thanks for the clap. Um, 13 years old. She's, she's a great vehicle. Um, she is so fancy, she's got the indicator light, right? We talk about vital signs. She's got an LED light that will tell me things about my car, right, about herself. So she's pretty self-aware. She'll tell me if the air tire, um, if the, the pressure, air pressure in a tire is low, there will be a little little thing on my dash that'll say low air pressure in your tire. Uh, she will tell me uh, if it's if she's low on gas, right? I have a gas gauge too. It's super high tech, but also that sucker will flash low on gas. Fuquay, pull over and get gas. <clears throat> but it will also tell me, and this has stayed on the indicator light really for the last three or four years, that I have a that I am low in my windshield wiper fluid. It is just constantly on. It constantly blinks and flashes. Now, I have deduced that I have a leak in the reservoir that holds the windshield wiper fluid because I filled that sucker up multiple times only to find five or six minutes later, there's that light again that says, hey, Fuquay, you're low on windshield wiper fluid. Today, though, however, the light lit up. I haven't told my wife this yet, so baby, you're going to need to get on this. Um, the light lit up, and it said, check oil level, Right? Check oil level. So, babe, I'm going to need you to change the oil. Um, I'm not, just kidding. Pay somebody to do that. I'm not an idiot. Um, I'm a man, all right? I pay people to do that. I'm not going to make my sweet wife do that. So, the oil level, right, the oil level in my car is much more significant than the windshield wiper fluid. I can go without windshield wiper fluid, although at times, annoying, I can go without windshield wiper fluid. However, I have ruined enough cars in my life. I have ruined enough cars in my life to know that when the oil, when there's no oil in a car, your car ceases to be a car and it just becomes something that stays in your front yard as just art, right? And it doesn't work anymore. And that has been the case for me several times. So this indicator light lights up. Low oil, check your oil level. Indicating I need to do something. That's what we're doing tonight. The indicator question that we're going to ask, that I want, to, I want you to wrestle with God tonight, I want you to, to ask the Lord to check yourself to diagnose the vital sign, and the question is this. Do you thirst for God? Do you thirst for God? How you answer that question is going to play a significant part in your spiritual growth, in your spiritual health, in your spiritual maturity. Um, John 4. If you've got your Bibles... Flip over to John 4. <clears throat> I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of this. It's a story of Jesus. He's heading home, and he cuts through the town of Samaria. And he goes on the sixth hour in John 4, and he goes and he sits at a well. Um, his, his disciples are off getting, getting food. Um, I'm going to pick up in, in verse 7 of chapter 4. The Gospel of John. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for my disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samari- Samaritans. They were, they were enemies, they were unclean. Jews, Religious Jews knew, Man, you stay away from those guys. Verse 10, though. the Samaritan woman comes over. He's asked for a drink. She says, "What are you, you're talking to me?" Right? He, she, he's interacting with the Samaritan, this unclean person, and she recognizes this is a Jew. Also, this is interesting. Little little footnote for you. She's going to the well in the sixth hour. Somebody taught me this. The significance of why it says in verse six that she was going to the well in the sixth hour. Why that? is inserted in the Gospel of John is because nobody went to the well in the sixth hour. People went to the well early in the morning. People didn't go to the well in the sixth hour. And so because of that, we see this is a woman who was hiding. This is a woman who went to the well when she knew other people weren't going to be there. She went to the well when there wasn't going to be the gossip train. There wasn't going to be the Real Housewives of Atlanta hanging out. There wasn't going to be this, oh, great, the, the circle. And she walks up because we're going to see something about this woman and her past and her present that she is ashamed of. So in the sixth hour, she thinks, I'm going to go get it, and she runs into Jesus. Verse 13. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, referring to the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give Will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Do you thirst for God? Jesus Christ is the living water, He is the spring of living water. It is through Jesus Christ that we have a living water that doesn't make us thirst for others. Do you thirst for Jesus Christ? Is your life dictated, motivated, inspired and stirred by a thirst in your life for Jesus Christ? It's a convicting question for me as a pastor. I'm a pastor. My job is to thirst for God, and yet as I I wrestle with this and as I study, I'm convicted. Here's what I want to do tonight. I want to talk about three different types of our souls, right? There's there's three different categories of people in this room. This is going to cover everyone, right? There's three different places that you're in in this room. We're going to talk about those, and then we're going to talk about how we get to that source. Um, The first spot, the first condition, the first kind of soul we're going to talk about is the dry soul. The dry soul. Thirsting as someone in this room whose soul might be dry. and Man, that is is convicting to me. Uh, That is sobering for me and convicting. Um, Maybe you're here, and you remember a time. You remember a time when God was so near to you. You remember a time when you were walking with him in obedience, and, and he, you were drinking from the fountain of the word of God, and now maybe you found yourself, and you're here, and you're thinking, man, I miss him, and I don't know how I keep coming back to this place, but my soul is dry, and if you're honest with yourself, and honest with God tonight, and as you're asking that question, and you find yourself dry, I want you to I want you to hold on to that for a second. I want you to hold on to that, and I want you to own it. Lord, I'm dry. There's lots of reasons for our dryness. Um, uh, There's the reason of, it could be just exhaustion. Right? It could be physical, mental, emotional exhaustion in your life. There's maybe not this disobedience happening, but you are exhausted and you have made no margin to drink in God's word. You've made no margin to be with him. So maybe you kind of come to the the renovate and the Sunday morning and maybe you have a podcast and you kind of count on those things to get you through the week. And, okay, I'm just going to grab onto this and I really hope it's emotional and it'll fill me up because I don't really have margin, haven't made the discipline and the margin to drink consistently. So maybe you're just emotionally, physically drained. Uh, There's another dry soul that I I think, if I'm going to be honest, we see God remove himself sometimes. Uh, We don't know why. We see it in Job. We see it throughout Scripture. At times it seems like our God distances himself. In those times, we still trust. When the sun goes behind a cloud, it's no less the sun. Maybe maybe you're wrestling with, Lord, I'm I'm making time with you. I'm, I'm not walking in any disobedience. Maybe this is a season where you've got to trust and say, okay, Lord, um, I'm not sure why, why you feel a little bit more distant, but I trust you. We see the promise in Hebrews that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us in Hebrews 13, 5. <clears throat> but here's most often what it is. Most often it's because I'm drinking from the wrong wells. Most often for my life, the dryness comes from the fact that I am drinking from wells that do not actually quench my thirst. Uh, my, my buddy, he lived in College Station, so when I would go and visit Danielle back when we were dating, we're still dating, but whenever we were, like, dating without a ring, whenever we, yeah, sorry, um, she, we, I would drive down to College Station, and uh, I started staying with my buddy for accountability reasons, a lot of, lot of reasons, so I'd crash at his house. He has the dumbest dog in the entire world. The dog's name is Brock, and it was just an idiot of a dog. Just a horrible animal. I like dogs, too, but it was just awful, awful thing. It was like a cat, basically. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't like a cat. Cats are awful, though. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like cat-level awful. It was just in the dog spectrum near the bottom. <clears throat> so this dog, super dumb, super just dumb animal. It, uh, it would, we would do the thing. I wouldn't do that because you would email me and be like, that's animal cruelty, where you'd be like, Brock, come on, and he would run into the sliding glass door that one I never did that right cuz that would be messed up but I heard it happened uh, so Brock had a massive water bowl massive water bowl it was it was a big lap right big black lap and Brock had a huge water bowl right and it was right by the sliding glass door and Brock would run around and chase squirrels and do things that dogs did and just get all hot and tired in College Station Texas and then come on inside and It would run every time right past the water bowl, full of clean, fresh water, right past the water bowl, take it right down the hallway, into the bathroom, and start drinking from the toilet. Every single time, man. Every single time. When I think about thirsting and drinking from the wrong wells, it is a go-to illustration in my life. I think of Brock. He reminds me of myself. He was a dumb dog. He would run right past fresh water put ice cubes in it, some flavor, put a little, um, one of those little umbrellas in it, right? A little bourbon, whatever. Nothing worked. (laughs) Nothing worked. It would just run right past the bowl and drink from toilet water. Drink from toilet water. Guys, that is the story of my life. If you are in here and you're wrestling with dryness, and just right off the bat you're like, I don't, I don't need it to be unpacked and explained. I know, Ben, yes, I am drinking from toilet water when I know that there is something better. I have tasted it. I have felt it. I have, and yet I keep drinking from toilet water. And it keeps leaving me thirsty and empty and dry and dry and dry. That is insane. It is insane that I do that. It's just insane that I continue to go back to these empty wells to fill me up, and I know they never will, and yet I keep going back to these things in my life. Um, There has to be, there has to be, in order for that change, there has to be repentance and belief. Sure, there's conviction, so right off the bat, great, but there's got to be repentance and belief. So if you're in this room and you're just feeling dry tonight, hang with me. We're going to circle back around, and we're going to do business with God. And my hope is that the Holy Spirit, I don't have the power to make you not dry tonight. I wish I did, right? Um, But there's also a lot of freedom in knowing the fact that I have zero power to do that for you tonight. But we're going to circle back around, and and we're going to end this night with worship and with going to the source. So stay with me. One type, you're dry. Second type, a second type of of soul in this room um, that should be thirsting, is the satisfied soul. The satisfied soul in this room still should have a thirst. So maybe you're here, and, uh, and you think, you know what, I'm not dry. I'm doing great, and I'm walking with the Lord, and I'm loving it. Praise God. Praise God, if you are genuinely satisfied in Him. What does thirsting for God look like from the satisfied soul? It looks like still wanting more. Uh, in... Uh, in At the Aardvark, we do a college outreach at the Aardvark on Sunday morning, and we're preaching through Philippians. This next week is Philippians 3. Let me show you what Paul does. We've been chewing on it all week. Look what Paul says. Philippians 3. Man, this is good. Uh, There's so much here. So um, let me start in, in verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul, right? The stud Christian. If somebody has got to be satisfied in Christ, it's got to be Paul. He says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Look at verse 10. Again, it it repeats it. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is telling us in Philippians 3, all that I have, I still count as rubbish. Even the knowledge now, I want more. There is an unsusatiable desire that Paul has, satisfied, fully satisfied in God, which just produces more and more of a desire in the Apostle Paul, more and more of a love and, and longing and call for the Apostle Paul to know him more. He says, everything else I count as skublos, is the Greek word for rubbish, right? It's, it really shouldn't be translated as rubbish, right? It's, it's crap. It is crap and then maybe even a little worse. It is this word that he says, man, all of that because I want more of him. So even the satisfied soul should have an indicator light when you answer the question, do you thirst for God? A satisfied soul should say, yes. Oh, I want more. Oh, I want more. I want more childlike faith. I want more of him. I want more of obedience. I want more of his word. That's what a satisfied soul does. And, and um, let me give you a warning. If, uh, if you're in this room and you think, Well, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm fine, right? I think um, I'm not really dry. I'm doing good. And I think I'm satisfied. And, and the question is asked, Well, do you thirst for God? And you say, Well, I, I think... Um, I think we're worshiping two different gods. I love you, but I think we're worshiping two different gods. If you hide behind some shallow perspective of what it looks like to be walking with Christ to where you could answer the question, do you thirst for God, complacently and say, you know, I'm pretty satisfied. I'm doing pretty good, actually. I think I'm fine. I'm not in crazy sin. I I think I'm fine with God, so I'm good. I want to challenge you. I don't think that's the God. I, I don't think you're on the same page here as Paul. I don't think that's our God. I think the more we love him, the more we see him, the more we crave him, the more we want him. And it's satisfying. And it's beautiful. It's not like the things that we chase of the world. The more we want them, the more we pursue them, the more we desire them, the less satisfied we are. It's the exact opposite. So I want to challenge you if you're in here and you're thinking, okay, I'm just going to hide behind that category. Satisfied. I'm good. This talk is great. I mean, I hope somebody else hears this, but I think I'm good. I I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss the God who we continue to thirst for. Third category. And then let's talk about what to do with this. Um, The third category is this. The third category is the empty soul. So so we've got a dry soul. uh, And does the dry soul thirst for God? What's that look like? Does the Um, satisfied soul, but how about the empty soul? Uh, I believe there are people in this room who, man, you are, you're searching and and you're looking for that that thing, right? And you know that you've been made for something maybe more than what you've settled for in your life so far. And you've been tracking through life and you've been doing an okay job, maybe at times you've been doing a horrible job, but um, you know that there's something missing. And maybe you came searching for it here, maybe you got dragged here, maybe you literally just came for the free food, and then you're like, salad, what? Um, No, just kidding, that salad was awesome, by the way. Whoever did that salad? I'm not throwing the salad under the bus. Um, I just ate the chicken, just straight chicken and ranch. Um, Augustine says this, he says, thou hast made us for thyself. God has made us for him, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. Always searching and never resting, this empty soul turns from one pursuit to another, unable to find anything that will fill the God-shaped vacuum. Unable to find anything. That rhetoric of God-shaped vacuum, that picture. um, I I love how Augustine talks about it. I love throughout church history this idea of a God-shaped vacuum. And if your soul is empty and you hear that and you say, Oh man, that is me. A black hole that no matter what you feed it, it has not been able to satisfy you. A black hole that um, you have chased after these things, but something that man you have not been able to find the shape that fits that, that completes um, that. It is someone who is yet to accept Jesus as who he says he is. Someone who is yet to put their faith in Christ. They're drinking from the things of the world. And it's, and it's sandy, man, and it's empty wells, and you're just pulling up buckets of sand, and you're drinking them, and it's unsatisfying. Um, here's what I want you to hear. Practically, here, here's one thing I want you to hear. I want you to know that you are welcome here. I want you to know if that is you, and you're here, and you're checking this thing out, and maybe you got drug here, maybe, and you, as we're talking, I don't have the power to do this. The Holy Spirit is poking at you, or something that you can't identify as like, oh no, I think he's talking to me. I want you to know that you are welcome here, in this place, at this church, in this community. But man, I want you to know that God. I want you to know that God that we worship and we love and we surrender our life to. Um, Maybe you uh, grew up in church, right? Maybe you uh, had an emotional experience one time at a camp or something. Maybe you walked down an aisle, but maybe as you're standing, sitting here, you're thinking, wait, I don't have that. Maybe you are searching for a God who's not the God of the Bible, but maybe you're searching for a God who fits your lifestyle, who fits what you want, who's going to give you what you want to have. And it's leaving you empty. And it's leaving you with a mouthful of sand. Um, that's tough. Um, here's a, here's a, a thing I, I want to point out. Um, The dry soul and the empty soul. Um, The only difference is the dry soul; uh, it it knows what it's missing, right? If if we're in here and we're we're dry, it knows what it's missing because we have tasted. We have tasted the goodness of God. The empty soul doesn't. It's never experienced that grace of God. Here's the thing for the dry soul people in this room. Um, It's hard to tell us apart. It's hard to tell you apart. we believe at this church, I believe in theology of once saved, always saved. So you're not going to lose your salvation. But, um, but when you look at your life, if you look at your life and you're perpetually dry, and you say, man, yeah, I'm not the empty soul, right? No, 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 I'm not the empty soul. I'm just the dry soul. I'm just in a, it's a much safer category to be in. Much easier to be vulnerable about being dry than maybe recognizing, I don't know if I ever really have known him. So if you're in here and you're saying, no, I'm just dry, and you're perpetually dry, I don't know where you're at. But I don't have the spiritual metal detector, but if you're hedging your bet on, well, wait, one time when I was a kid, I had this emotional experience, and I I think I'm fine, and you're not going to do business with God tonight, understanding, Lord, why have I been dry for so long? Am I missing something? Have I ever really put my faith in you? That's a heavy thing, and I don't want you to walk out of here safe and hiding behind. Well, I just am always dry, and there's just no fruit in my life, and that's just, um, that's just how God made me, I guess, and that's just where I'm at, but, but I'm good. Um, that's a scary place to be. Here, um, here, here's my question. Where are you tonight? Are you satisfied? Great. Do you want more? Are you empty? Are you dry? Uh, last week, Ryan McCarthy talked on Hosea. Uh, those of you who weren't here Awesome, awesome book, awesome sermon. Uh, Hosea is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel that gives us this drink. Hosea, this prophet, he marries a prostitute, told by God. Remember this? And what does she do? She keeps leaving him. She keeps going to other lovers, returning to her old lifestyle. She keeps abandoning him, finds herself back on the slave block. Stripped, being sold as a slave before the market. Remember that picture? That is us. That is us in here tonight, all of us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At some point in our lowest of lows, that is what I bring to the table is my sin. And the picture of the glory of God standing standing at that slave auction. And as other people are yelling out prices for Hosea, I mean, excuse me, for his wife, Gomer, for this, this prostitute, this whore of a bride that we as the church so often find ourselves as. They're yelling out prices. Oh, 15 shekels, 20 shekels, 22 shekels. And what does Hosea do in the name of the Lord? He outbids everyone. This wife who has abandoned him time and time and time and time and time again, he outbids them all until he runs out of money and he just starts giving up his belongings. Ah, oh, I don't have the, I'm throwing in some barley. That is the grace of God. It is God showing us a picture of how he loves us. We are are this prostitute who has run astray. We as the church, my individual relationship with God, and yet I have a God who said, while I was yet a sinner, I'm sending my son, my my one and only, my only begotten son, I'm going to send him to lay down his life for the sins of those who put their faith in him. That is a beautiful thing if we don't hold up the gospel of Jesus Christ, that good news, in light of our wicked, wicked bad news, if we don't hold those things up and, and start to smack at the lips a little bit and start to thirst for God, if we don't remind ourselves as a community from Scripture how He loves us, how wicked we are and what He's loved us from, and if that doesn't stir us up to thirst for Him more, Woe to us. Brothers and sisters, I urge you. I beg you. I plead. Scripture pleads. It urges you. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the passions of this world. Don't be conformed to the empty wells this world has for you. Be transformed. What does that repentance and belief look like? Man, um, there is a, there's something really beautiful. Isaiah uh, 55 Flip there if you got your Bibles. Isaiah fifty-five. <clears throat> this is our God's. This is God's word. This is uh, this is God's word over you tonight. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. I want you to uh, hear this over your life tonight. Come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. That is the word of the Lord over you, brothers and sisters. Wherever you are at tonight, whether your soul is satisfied, praise God. His word endures. He says, come and drink more. If you are empty tonight, and this is maybe the first time that the gospel is clicking And you're recognizing, wait a second, there is something I've missed my whole life. Come and drink. And if you're in this room and you are dry, spiritually dry, tired of being dry, sick and tired of being sick and tired, of being sick and tired, that whole concept, come and drink. Come and drink. Um, Real practical. Let um, Let me share some things. Practical ways that you're going to put yourself in a place to drink from him. We can't rely on um, an emotional... Let's, man, I hope the sermon's really passionate. Man, I, I hope the worship guys really hit the right notes, man. I, I really need that. Practical ways. Meditate on scripture. Do you thirst for God? No. You want more? Meditate on scripture. Not reading scripture for information, for content. Meditate on scripture. Uh, we challenged, I, I got to challenge a bunch of people last Sunday... To take the same 11 verses and read them three times a day, every day. Be in other scripture too, but every day, read 11 verses. Maybe the first five times you read it, oh man, that's good. Maybe like times seven through eight, you're like, I don't know, I'm still reading this. And then times nine through 12, you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then times 14, you're like, I didn't catch anything new. And then times 15, you're weeping, right? Meditate on scripture. That is where you're going to fill your thirst. Here's another thing. Pray through scripture. As you're reading scripture, pray through it. Say, Lord, what, what would you have for me? Um, Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Father, that I might come, Lord, that I might come to you. I am thirsty, and you are telling me you are water. Father, praise you. For pray through your scripture, pray through your devotional time. Be in the word of God and turn it back into prayer for him. Serve. Serve to quench your hunger. In the name of Jesus, in the Christian community, um, it's disobedient for us to just be takers, to just be couch potatoes who our spirituality is all about us and it's all about this inward thing. Man, I have been challenged more in my life when by the gospel's motivation, I have had to turn around and get step, step outside my comfort zone, be put in a place where it's like, oh man, this is awkward. I don't want to serve. I don't want to love these people. It forces a reliance on God that is water to my soul and then be in community. And last last little practical step that you can do to say I want to thirst more, be in community with other people that have that craving. If you're walking with people who don't crave the things you crave, people who are addicted to the empty wells and keep dragging you back there, find people who are drinking from this living water. Say, "Man, don't let me wander. Don't let me wander." And We think of community oftentimes, biblical community, as kind of like this, uh, maybe varsity level. Christian community is what we're designed to be in. It's a big deal. It is obedience. If we're not in Christian community, we're not walking in obedience of how God designed this thing to work. I am all about the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you're not interacting with other believers, get in a small group. Find other guys. Find just one other person. If you have no clue how to do that, come up and talk to Tyler or myself, find a leader, find, find one of the guys wearing a lanyard tonight and say, hey, will you help me get more into community? This is way too big of a deal to blow off. I think it is at least. I think my thirsting for an eternal God is way too big of a deal to hide behind some category I'm not, to pretend everything's fine, to blow it off. Um, it's, uh, it would be a scary place to be. Look at Isaiah 556. Um, oh good, I just lost my place. <clears throat> Isaiah 55:6: "Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near." Brothers, sisters, guys, seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Don't delay. Don't put this off. Don't see an indicator life this Wednesday night that said, do you thirst for the Lord? And you answered it with, eh, I'm okay, I'm doing all right. Or, "Nah, I'm kind of dry, but it's real busy right now. Summer, I'll start drinking from him again. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Do you thirst for God? Go after him. Get in his word. Get in his community. Get in obedience. Get in your prayer life. Go after him. Why? Because he's worth it. Because you've tasted the other things. And they've left you wanting. Because we're designed for that. Let me pray over you. Father, we love you. Uh, we need you. Um, God, would you, would you show up, God? Would you convict us? Would you stir our hearts uh, for this question of do we thirst? Just that question, God, that indicator light, that we stand here and say, do we thirst for you, Lord? Reveal in us. Reveal in us where we are. Reveal in us the things that we need to repent from. True repentance, broken, contrite hearts, Lord. May we walk out of those things and walk into the grace of God. The God who who stood by and sacrificed his son for his own glory and for us, Father, to partake in that. We are grateful, Lord, as we continue to worship, as we continue to be reminded of Isaiah 55, as we continue to sing about this thirst. um, You do business with us, God. Stir us. Don't let us escape here with some shallow response to your question. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.